and welcome back to the Countering Climate Skepticism podcast. My name is John Rainier, the history teacher, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mark Prosser, the climate researcher. So we've got lined up for you a slightly different episode today. Uh, Throughout our podcast series, we talk about the ziggurat of climate denial quite a lot. Uh, It's even our logo and our thumbnail for the podcast. So what we thought we'd do this week is we'd make a standalone episode to explain what the ziggurat actually is for anyone who needs a refresher or to brush up or is coming in partway through the podcast and listened to a few of our episodes and don't know what we're talking about. I'm going to start off with seven examples of climate denial arguments you might hear or encounter out there in the wild. They're not in any particular order, but I'm just going to sort of reel them off. So. One, people only talk about the negatives of climate change, but the positives will outweigh the negatives. For example, vineyards are now possible in the UK when they weren't many years ago. Two, I don't know why you're so worried about climate change. Technology will get us out of this mess. Three, global temperatures aren't even changing. It's all a lie. Four, Solving climate change is simply going to cost too much money. Five, the changes are minuscule and will be barely barely noticeable. Six, it's got nothing to do with man-made greenhouse gases like CO2. It's the sun that's changing the, the temperatures. Seven, there's nothing we can do about it anyway. We might as well just sit back. So do you think those seven sceptical points uh, have anything in common, John? Um, well, I, I guess the the fact that they all kind of interlink between each other, they all kind of build on each other. So if you kind of believe in one, you may be more likely to believe the next one. Or if um, you argue one and it gets denied, then it can kind of lead into the next one quite easily, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Um, yeah. And also you, you get people who will use several of them, not just just the one. Um, but I guess uh, something that uh, for me links them all together quite nicely is the fact that no matter what you're arguing and they are quite different examples from each other. So they're like uh, examples of each level of the ziggurat. But uh, something which links them all together is that ultimately we shouldn't have to do anything about climate change. Uh, So in one way or another, they're kind of like linked to that thesis. So rather than we've got a huge problem, we've got to do something about it. All of these arguments here are basically saying we don't need to do anything about it ultimately. So that for me is the sort of the central theme of climate change denial. Yeah. So um, to start off with, uh, I think we've mentioned we mentioned from time to time in the in the series about a list of 219 climate denial arguments on the website Skeptical Science. I'll leave a, a link in the show notes. Now, 219 arguments is enough to make my head spin, let alone the head of a casual debunker of climate change denial. So we need a solution to help us get a grip. And the solution that has worked for me is the denial ziggurat. I typically use the denial ziggurat to diagnose the type of climate denial or scepticism I am dealing with when confronted by a sceptical comment or argument. 
if I diagnose it correctly, I stand a much better chance of being able to respond to it more precisely and more convincingly, much like a doctor can better deal with an illness when they correctly diagnose it in the first place. For example, I once met up with an old teacher of mine who turned out to be climate skeptical. After a long discussion with her, it turned out that the source of her skepticism was the fact that the earth was huge and we are, despite our numbers, but tiny, tiny beings. How could we, a tiny thing, impact something so big as the earth? So what I did was to show her the following diagram. Uh, and you have the diagram in front of you, don't you, John? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, the diagram contains two versions of the Earth, both about the size of a basketball. Uh, the one on the left is uh, without oceans, the dry Earth. And then the one next to it on the right uh, has oceans on it, the wet Earth. So sitting on top of the dry Earth is a blue marble sized object which is the size the entire oceans would have if brought together and rolled up into a sphere. It's surprisingly small. It's yeah, just about big tiny. enough to sit comfortably on top of mainland Europe, uh, but is far smaller than you'd think, especially when compared to the size uh, of the basketball it's on top of, or the earth that's the size of a basketball. Uh, on the wet earth next door is another uh, small but slightly larger sphere, which represents the size the entire atmosphere would have if, again, it was brought together, uh, compressed to the pressure that we experience it at ground level. Um, so, so yeah, so so basically, needless to say, this one image was kind of key to changing her perception of how big the earth really is right. or at least the atmosphere and ocean weren't as big as she thought they were did i, did I miss anything out uh, in describing the the image john or no, no i don't think so okay good good um so yeah like john says we'll put those in the show notes So essentially, the ziggurat in our podcast logo represents the seven common stages of climate denial. They all build upon one another, with the bottom level of the ziggurat being the most basic and most extreme form of climate denial. Mark will be explaining the inspiration for the ziggurat later in the episode. Uh, so, Mark, could you explain the seven levels for us? OK, so moving on to the ziggurat, uh, it's composed of six levels. Uh, the first two, the bottom two, are somewhat scientific in nature. Uh, at the very bottom level, we have uh, the world may not be warming, followed by on the level immediately upwards, number two. But if it is warming, this is probably due to natural variation in the Earth's climate. So can you spell out for us, John, what the difference is between levels one, on, one and two is? Uh, I guess the the difference is is to do with acknowledging that global warming is happening. Um, so level one 
flat out denies it's just not happening at all going against all the science to the country um yep. whereas the second one is okay but it's it's part of the natural cycles of global warming exactly yeah yeah bang on so if someone is coming at you with the first two levels then that is considered hardcore science denial as nearly every single scientist in the field of climate science would sign up to the fact that one the earth is warming and two this warming is mostly due to human caused greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide like methane uh, something like 97 or 99 plus percent of published climate scientists would would agree with this there have been studies on climate scientists to see what they actually think now this level of agreement is about as good as you ever get in the scientific community so even with you know like things in in sort of science's past that that pretty much uh, are viewed as fact like for example evolution i believe if you look at the the sort of scientific consensus for that you don't get to 100 percent so you're never going to get to 100 um so when you with the denial ziggurat when you get to the upper levels five and six you'll notice the character of the denial shifts from hardcore science denial to more of a kind of political denial. But first, we need to hit the two intermediate layers, three and four. Level three. But if this is not the case, uh, if it is not due to natural variation, the amount of warming is probably not significant. So, John, uh, by stage three, what is the sceptic accepting and what are they not accepting, bearing in mind levels one and two? Um, so they've, they, it's, it's a key break from levels one and two because they're actually accepting that uh, global warming, that climate change is occurring. Um, but uh, they're making the point that uh, it's, it's, it, it's minor, it's insignificant, it's not something to be worrying about. Sure. And, and is there anything else that they're accepting at this point? um okay warming, so the warming itself yeah yeah so 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 there's the they're accepting that the warming is happening but they're also accepting that it is us it is oh, human okay. caused right yeah so that's the so by this point you've got those two in the bag so they're they're kind of they're not they've sort of slightly moved off well debatably hardcore denial as it were but the, but they have they believe the earth is warming and they believe that it is human caused um well, I, I say that maybe they don't. Yeah, you know, it depends on the particular person you've you're encountering. But you do get people who are yeah who accept those two points, but they're like you know it's it's just not going to be significant. Um, yeah. So so the I, I say you know they they've moved off hardcore denial, but it is pretty sorry hardcore science denial, but it is pretty in denial of science in my opinion still because the idea that the warming will be insignificant, seems to fly in the face of everything being predicted over the rest of the century by numerous climate models around the world. So, so we're probably on track for a plus three degrees centigrade uh, change by 2100. For US listeners, that's a five point, that's a plus 5.5 degree Fahrenheit. And by plus, 
What I'm comparing that to is 1850 pre-industrial periods. So three degrees centigrade warmer than that by the by 2100. Well, that's our best guess, according to the models. And that is going to be a flipping enormous change. So even now we're at uh, plus 1.1 or plus 1.2 degrees centigrade, uh, two degrees Fahrenheit of warming. Uh, there is a lot of suffering going on across the globe, especially this year as well as we have. On top of that, we have an El Nino, which is making things even hotter. Um, so, so there is actually a scientific discussion to be had around something called the climate sensitivity. And so, so I, I think in maybe episode one, so I sort of mentioned that in the pre-industrial period, we had an atmospheric concentration of uh, 280 parts per million of carbon dioxide. So that's what it was today in, 20, in the 2020s, that's 50% uh, higher. So that's 420 parts per million. But this thing called the climate sensitivity, it's basically asking if we double the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. So we take it from 280 parts per million in the pre-industrial to 560 parts per million. What will that mean in terms of the eventual temperature rise? Um, so, I mean, it, it's a little bit complicated because if we were to like suddenly double the amount of carbon dioxide, it takes a long time or it takes maybe a decade or two decades for the warming to come. So it's not instantaneous. You don't instantaneously. The world is a big, <laughs> as, as we were previously saying, the world is a big entity and it has oceans and it takes a long time for these to warm up. Um, but eventually, how much temperature change will this mean? And the best guess of scientists is that it means about three degrees of temperature change. Um, but crucially, the models don't all agree. Uh, it's very unlikely to be below two degrees, um, given what we've seen already. Uh, but it could also be a lot higher than three degrees. If we're really unlucky, it could be like four degrees or more than four degrees. Uh, so so essentially, but, but the, the, the average guess is about three degrees and three degrees in itself is pretty mind boggling. It's nowhere near as bad as four degrees, uh, but it's, you know, you can, you're not going to fail to notice three degrees of warming and it's going to cause all sorts of upsets for the whole world. I mean, so this is three degrees is what would happen if we we did what we did up till now, but we didn't really do anything else. So maybe we can get by 2100 the amount of warming down even further if we make a lot of effort. Uh, but but yeah, so three degrees is currently what what we. Uh, so so yeah. when you say when you say do what we've done, are you saying continue to use fossil fuels and everything like that at the current rate we are? Or are you saying that actually just by carrying on at the rate we are, that will cause a continued increase? That's a good question. And I was vague. What they're saying is, yeah, I don't, I don't quite know how they put it into the models, but but essentially. Uh, we, we've made some progress in terms of decarbonizing the global economy and maybe this. You know, so so at the moment we're we're building wind turbines and solar, uh, this at the rate that we're doing now, but this rate didn't increase or something like that, then 
we're on track for a three degree world. Okay. And we brought that down. So, so it's important to be optimistic about okay. this. So we've brought that down from four degrees potentially. Uh, so we, we, we have we have taken a bite out of the problem. But three degrees is still gnarly. And we need to bring that down as much as possible. And maybe if we're, if we're very lucky, we can bring it down below two degrees. Okay. But it's going to it's going to take a lot of effort to bring it down. Um, yeah. Does that, does that answer your question or have I yeah, 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 that around does. it? A bit? No, that does. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. Thanks for picking me up on that. Yeah. So so essentially the idea that this change is going to be insignificant is just like laughable, basically. Um, so, yeah. So moving on to the fourth level of the ziggurats. It is significant. We're talking about the warming. The benefits should outweigh the disadvantages. Cool. So, so John, the three things that they're accepting here potentially in the ziggurat methodology, but what are they not accepting? Um, so, well, they're, again, they're accepting that climate change is happening and they're accepting that actually climate change is going to have a significant impact on, yeah. um, on the world's climate. Um, but what they're refusing to accept is that, again, that those uh, impacts should be anything to worry about. It's that almost kind of like, like kind of head in the sand approach of like, yeah, but, you know, human beings are great. We'll sort this. It's fine. Uh, we'll 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 get through this and it's not going to bother us, which is probably, again, one of those things that those of us um, in the in the northern hemisphere, in those parts of the, the Western world that are, are not yet experiencing the major impacts of climate change are in a, a very fortuitous position to be able to say right now, um, which probably lends credence to that argument. Um, but that in the in the foreseeable future won't be the case. Yes, yes, certainly agree with everything you said there. Um, yeah, I mean, so you can see, like I said before, you know, you can see that as as these arguments are made, it's essentially that the the thing that you then, I guess, the cor the cor corollary of what's being said is, so we don't need to do anything about it. If the positives are going to outweigh the negatives. Yeah, you know, like we maybe it's not such a big deal. Maybe we could just let it happen, kind of thing. So that's that's what I meant about the whole the ziggurat. Ultimately, it leads to basically inaction on the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 very good on your answer there. Was there anything else? So you said that they they uh, accept that the Earth is warming. They accept that it will be significant. But was there anything else they accept? Um, they accept that there are going to be some disadvantages. Uh, true, but is there anything? So ziggurat level two. So that's the one about it being natural, is it? Yes. Yeah. So so with the ziggurat level two, it's essentially saying, uh, you know, it's not it's not uh, human caused greenhouse gases. It's just it's just some natural cycle. It's got nothing to do with us. So I agree it's changing, but it's not us. So I guess this is the one that, that uh, in, in your case, it's <laughs> maybe it slips your mind. But it's like, number one, it's uh, happening. It's not happening. Number two, it's not us. Three, it's uh, insignificant. Yeah. So, so, so essentially, it's just the, the number two. OK. 
Great. Uh, so now, while it is true that some places further north in the globe may benefit from lower degrees of warming, the vast majority of places will suffer. And this ratio of suffering to benefiting climbs the higher the global temperatures go. Uh, I will put a document in the show notes that explains what happens to the world at plus one degrees of warming, plus two degrees, plus three degrees, all the way up to plus six degrees. Uh, at higher levels of warming, large parts of India could become too hot, too hot for humans to physically survive. Where will Nepal get its water from once the mountain glaciers that supply it melt away completely? You aren't going to get benefits from climate change big enough to offset those types of negative changes. I don't think many people will be surprised to hear that a lot of the denial that you get on climate change comes one way or another from the fossil fuel industry that are in large part a cause of this problem. So moving on to level five of the ziggurat, uh, level five, but if they don't, and here they're talking about positives outweighing the negatives, then technology should be able to solve problems as they arise. Uh, what, what do you think is the problem with this type of argument, John? Any any thoughts? Or I, I think it, it mainly just feeds a lot of complacency. So mm. the idea that um, saying that no matter how bad we make it, we are going to be able to fix it. You know, it's it's admirable to be uh, that positive about it, but it also is is just massively in denial of of how serious the impacts can be and how avoidable they are. Um, it's mm. it's more about focusing on treating the symptom rather than the cause. Um, and and to date, the technology doesn't currently exist that will solve all those problems. Uh, plus also uh, the fact that a lot of the areas, you know, we may have the technology, um, but as we've seen throughout history, just having the technology doesn't mean that any, everybody equally benefits from it. And those areas in the world that we're seeing that are being hit hardest at the moment are those that actually don't currently have uh, the infrastructure in place to, to deal with the situation as it currently is, let alone where it's going to get to uh, in the foreseeable future. Yes, yeah, yeah, I'd sign on off, off on a lot of that. Uh, one, one of the really frustrating things about climate change and our, 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 our attempts to deal with the problem is that we do have the technology to solve the problem. Okay. Yeah, like basically in, in sort of all parts of the economy, technology exists now that could help us completely solve the problem. The, the, the annoying thing is that it's too expensive basically right. so so you have like you have a solution for example you have uh, carbon dioxide scrubbers that you could put at the top of uh coal uh power stations so so at the the plume or whatever you call it like the chimney where the the waste gas goes out you could have something which could capture the carbon dioxide you could then like put the carbon dioxide under the ground in places where it won't escape uh, at least in theory, it won't escape. Um, but yeah, to do so would mean that the cost of energy would go up. And so companies don't want to do it, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. so quite often it boils down to it's too expensive. Um, 
So so that that's the really frustrating thing. It's not like we're we're waiting for some some crazy technology to be invented. I mean, like, so there's this there's a sort of another form of capturing carbon dioxide where you can it's just like it kind of typically looks like a fan and uh it it you can put them anywhere in the in the atmosphere and then they basically just suck out the carbon dioxide that's in the air uh but so so a lot of people are are banking on this as a sort of solution uh but the problem is that it's just it's just really expensive to cap mm. it can be done but it's just it costs still way too much yeah. uh, and the yeah. idea that we're going to be able to I mean, some people say we're going to overshoot the amount of warming we want, but this is okay because this technology can jump in. And it's like, well, hang on, it's it's, it's it might always be very expensive to do this, and you know, and, and so it's it's a bit of a, it's a bit wishful thinking that we can kind of rely on it. But yeah. So, uh, what other points have I got here? Uh, yeah, also just you know this kind of idea that that the economy will create the technology and that will solve the problem. The The amount of innovation in relation to climate change has been a bit slow in the past, typically. You know, it's it's basically like all this pressure from like populations, from government, from industry, you know, all of this makes stuff on climate change happen. You know, so it's definitely not about sitting back on your ass and hoping that someone else will fix the problem. You know, the more of that that we do, uh, you know, the the less things will happen. Um, so, so yeah. And also just, just in general, like, you know, the whole, you know, it's not just about energy. There's things like, you know, the amount of like meat we eat, you know, the whole of humanity eats, yeah. you know, and some of these things, I mean, like, so there have been sort of like uh, substitute meats, things like that, uh, which mean you can eat like pretty decent tasting stuff um, that, uh, can sort of substitute for meat, which is which has far fewer emissions associated with it. Um, but um, you know, just the idea that we can just sort of like live our like high consumptive lifestyle, and like as people in China and India become more affluent, then you know they too can have our kind of high consumptive lifestyle, and you know everything will be okay. It's, you know, I think there's going to be an element of maybe we need to like live a little bit more, uh, you know, in line with. What, what what sort of the you know the planet requires of us you know there's there is an awful lot of us and you know we can't all consume like westerner lifestyles if we yeah you know. absolutely i mean like uh you know i might have mentioned it before on the podcast but my my wife and i are vegan and like for me personally the environmental impact of consuming meat was one of the main re- reasons why why i I became vegan. Um, you know, mm. one of the arguments that's always thrown at vegans is, oh, yeah, but soy has one of the biggest impacts on the environment. And, you know, that's a vegan food. But the vast, vast, vast majority of soy that is produced in the world goes to animal feed. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. If we weren't consuming meat, then there would be significantly less soy being produced across the world. Yeah, I get I get really annoyed when people use that <laughs> argument because it's so fucking misplaced. Oops, that's a bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. This is a this is an adult content uh, podcast. Yeah, we we have a we have a a rating on it, do we, or something like that, so that no kids can hear our our climate change doomism. What, uh, one F one F bomb makes it a twelve, doesn't it? That's fine. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So we're still we've still got the uh, the teenagers allowed to listen. Cool. Um, 
Yeah. So, okay. So basically this idea that someone, something other than us is going to deal with the problem, I think is flawed. Okay. Then finally, you have level six of the ziggurat, which I split into two. So the second half of this was kind of my addition. So the whole, this whole poem of the ziggurat wasn't mine to start with. I, I nicked it from someone. Uh, don't know, don't know who originally wrote it, but but I sort of added on a sort of a second half. But before we do the second bit of the last level, uh, level six. Uh, but if we can't solve the problem with technology, we shouldn't wreck the economy to fix the problem. What's wrong with this one, John? Uh, well, I, I think for me, uh, it, this is just, you know, just something that just results in so let's just not do anything um mm. like the and, and it's also incredibly incredibly short-term thinking uh because i'm pretty certain that you know plus three degrees of climate change is going to so significantly alter uh the the world economy and the ability for certain countries economies to function full stop mm. that not doing anything will wreck the economy far more than having the short-term uh, short-sighted approach of oh let's just carry on as we are because otherwise it'll affect the economy now yeah exactly uh i mean so so, so i guess if, if i'm being a little bit kind to this one uh there, there is a kernel of truth in it so it's going to be economically challenging to uh to, to convert the world economy into a sort of sustainable economy but but like you say uh you know like the the costs associated with climate change are could be limitless like it's yeah so and it's and it's it's like as you go from like one degree to two degrees the costs ramp up enormously but that amount of increase so when you go from two degrees to three degrees it's not the same amount of increase in the, the amount it's going to cost us. It's sort of exponential, like in terms of how much it's going to cost. Um, so, so, so yeah, so there's that point. And also, like, I think there was a, a few years ago now, I can't remember how long ago, uh, there was something called the Stern Review, which was like a kind of an economic review of how much is it going to cost to deal with climate change. And I think their conclusion was that, um, it's going to cost, the amount it's going to cost to deal with climate change is going to be trivial when compared to the amount that climate change is going to cost us if we do nothing. And so basically it made the, made the, um, made the case that it is 100% economically sensible to be yeah. dealing with this. Yeah. And, and the, but the, the annoying thing is the longer you leave it, the more expensive it becomes. Um, but yeah, but like, yeah, I mean, there are questions at the moment, um, you know, uh, about who's going to pay, because there are costs associated with, you know, like making your house uh, sort of green or changing your car. You know, you have to, you might have a car already, you know, you've got to then pay to get a, a car that's electric or something like this. Uh, and this is gonna, you know, so this means that there is gonna be a cost. And there's a question about, how much governments should be subsidizing you know people and um so so there are going to be costs it's just kind of annoying it's kind of like this this barrier that we have to jump over and if we can do that then we'll save ourselves a bundle of costs down the line but if we don't do anything i mean it's just there's just 
yeah, a, a very, very scary bill on its way. And so, yeah, so this idea that you're doing the economically sensible thing by not doing anything is just, like you say, John, short-sighted. Hmm. Um, and yeah, and, and just just generally, you know, this 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 idea. So, like, the way I see it is the economy as a sort of an abstract entity sits on top of the environment. The environment is its foundation. Yeah. You know, yeah. we we have a we have a global economy that sort of functions because of certain, you know, because of the environment it's in. You know, if if it's the case that, you know, you get sort of huge amounts of migration or you get wars uh, uh, starting over resources that have been put under pressure by climate change, you know, like you can say goodbye to, you know, parts of the global economy or. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I just think that people just in their their mind they become so detached from like the environment that they sort of think that oh the environment is just something like an optional extra or something it doesn't really concern us and that's just fundamentally the wrong way to think about it because yeah. we we depend I mean like one of, one of the things I often say is like you know you know space you know the bigger environment in which we're in is like is an environment that's like literally hostile to life yeah. and you know, you, you, you go out, go into space without a spacesuit. What you've got like 30 seconds before you die. Yeah. Yeah. As and like the, that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's actually longer than you think. So <laughs> it's not, not quite the case of, I think a, a teacher once said at our old school that if you, if you were to be exposed to space, you'd instantly turn inside out. It looks like she might've been wrong, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. but, but uh, you don't instantly turn inside out, but yeah, it's various unpleasant things happen to you. And, uh, but, but yeah, but like so so we 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 live in this it's like a ginormous spaceship that keeps us alive. You know, it, it produces oxygen, water for, for us, food, you know, it's like a it's like a life support machine. And without that life support machine, you know, we we are just we wouldn't stay alive, you know. So like so just the environment is crucial to us, you know, and we can't have big things go wrong with it, you know. So anyways, just, yeah, I just, that just, I think it's, sometimes it's just, you know, people just don't realise, but, uh, but yeah. Um, okay, so, so here's my alternative to level six. So instead of it being about wrecking the economy, uh, it's, but if we can't solve the problems with technology, uh, the problem is too big for us to solve. We're doomed. So we might as well just put our feet up and enjoy ourselves what, what do you think john should we just put our feet up and enjoy ourselves <sighs> yeah i mean well it's it's frustrating really uh, i think with this one um the fact that so many of them have, have kind of fundamentally been either about uh, refusing to accept responsibility Mm -hmm. So it's not to do with humans. We didn't do it. It's not our fault through to, oh, but humans are great. So we can fix anything um, through to, well, if we can't, doesn't matter. Um, and yeah, it's for me personally, it just goes against so many personal values that I have uh, mm -hmm. about, you know, personal responsibility and and uh, doing things to help others. Uh, that I find it a very frustrating one. Yeah, I hear you there. It is it is massively frustrating, and it's going to be 
hugely annoying because I reckon what will happen is all the people who up till now said it's not happening will suddenly on masks change their tune to well we can't really do anything about it so it's just gonna be the same group of people or um when when we could have done something about it sooner yeah 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 exactly and and what's even more sinister is there's a, a great series on youtube which i probably talk about from time to time called uh kurzgesagt yeah and yeah. i'll put it in the, in the show notes but in one of their videos they make the argument that the fossil fuel industry maybe going on into the future one thing that they might do is try to convince us that the problem is too big to solve one way or another too expensive or just you know we've lost control of the reins to do anything about it now it's too late and like the goal is to depress us as much as possible so that we stop putting pressure so we just we stop thinking about it and we stop putting pressure on governments to get to net zero etc to be honest, I think I see uh, I see little hints of that beginning already, like, you know, this almost this mentality of we've just got to learn to live with things as they currently are. Like mm. and I can see that repeating at each level of climate change. It's like, well, the temperature has increased to this. So we've just got to learn to live with the temperature at this. Yeah. Yeah, maybe 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 it is already sort of slightly out there. I don't think it's out there in a major way yet. But I mean, if people are thinking we've just got to learn, I mean, we have <laughs> we have to uh, adapt to everyone is going to have to adapt to whatever comes their way. But the, but if they're thinking that, like, this is as bad as it's going to get, and it's not going to get any worse. then they've got another thing coming because, the, you know, every step up is, you know, it just gets worse and worse. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Very frustrating. So there you have it. That's the ziggurat in all its six level glory. Once you know what level of the denial ziggurat you are dealing with, what the person is accepting and they're not accepting, then you can develop a much better response to what they're saying or for the benefit of people who are listening to you uh, discuss climate change with this person. Uh, the ziggurat will also help uh, John and I structure this podcast series. We'll start at the foundational level and make our way slowly to the top as the series progresses. Okay, so I guess one final question for today, Mark. Where did your idea for the ziggurat come from? Yeah, so I guess it's a little bit like a poem, isn't it? You know, so uh, the world may not be warming, but if it is uh, the... The changes are probably natural, but if they aren't, uh, it won't be significant. But if they are, uh, the positives will outweigh the benefits and so on and so forth. Uh, it's kind of like a bit like a poem. And so I don't know who originally, it probably would be a trivial Google search, to, <laughs> which I probably should have done before this episode, see if there's like someone I can attribute this original uh, poem uh, to. But I just, I just find it really helpful. Um, but uh, yeah, so it wasn't my invention. I did tack on the, the the alternative level six about so we're all doomed and we might as well not do anything um, because I think that one will become increasingly prominent as time goes on. Um, so the ziggurat part of it, so like the, the sort of the stepped pyramid uh, comes from uh, my old university, the University of East Anglia where there are a number of student dorms right in the middle of campus 
that are shaped as ziggurats. Uh, so this sort of, as far as UEA goes, they're kind of quite often you see pictures of UEA, you see pictures of the stepped ziggurats. So they're kind of iconic for for the University of Sanglia. And so, so I basically merged these two ideas at some point down the line. Can't remember where or how, but but yeah. So that that's that's where it came from. Cool, cool. So that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. You can find a link to all of the materials we've referenced in this episode in our show notes. Following on from our first episode, our next episode is going to continue to myth bust the arguments claiming that global warming is not happening. If you want to know more about the Countering Climate Skepticism podcast, check out our website at ccspod.podbean.com. So that's ccspod.podbean.com. If you've enjoyed the episode and would like to know uh, to support the show further, you can leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it is now known. So goodbye from me, John Rainier. And goodbye from me, Mark Prosser.